Stories, fables, ghostly tales. A circus enveloped in a forest comes to life, having once been frozen in time. A mother longs for her children. Mirrors have the power to shape your fate. Dragons bestow their luck on those who are gifted it. And two urban legends of old to tickle your earbuds. Welcome listeners to today's ritual stories and two urban legends to get your intrigue flowing. I hope you enjoyed today's urban legends and rituals and I'll be finding more urban legends soon. I miss reading about them and speculating where they stemmed from. So expect more detailed urban legends to come your way, folks. The titles of the stories you're going to hear today are as follows. Big Top, The Black Lady of Bradley Woods, Ash Mother, Dark Reflection Ritual, Dragon's Luck, and The Seaman Oleander's Song. And I can't wait to share them with you right now. I'm drinking a golden Earl Grey with a drop of honey, and I hope you've got your own hot beverage in your hand as well. Turn off the lights. Turn up the sound. Bring with you your materials, and let's have ourselves a ritual. Big Top There is a quiet place where nobody goes that has been frozen in time since the early 20th century. Surrounded by thick forests, and littered with broken-down vehicles, caravans, and posters, the clearing is devoid of all life. Yet, at the center of the clearing is a big-top-style tent, in the traditional red and white striped patterns of the circuses of old. Several flags blow in the often cold air. During the hours of daylight, the place is silent, save for the sounds of birds in the surrounding trees or the crunching of dirt beneath one's feet. Entering the big top, one can see rows of empty seats and a large open space where performers of old would have given the audience a spectacular show. Equipment once used by acrobats swing from the top of the tent and a stand remains in the center, covered in dust. Once the place where great beasts, such as elephants, would perform their tricks. Yet by the cover of night, things change, as the abandoned big top comes to life, the silence of the clearing shattering, as the sound of old carnival music fills the air, and spectral crowds come out from the forest. They flood into the tent, as skeletal figures on stilts take tickets, and strange malformed creatures juggle and ride unicycles. Disgustingly fat, putrid beings, dressed in clown suits, hound out balloons to excited children with no eyes, and beckon to any living soul foolish enough to be in the area at the time. If one enters the big top, they are directed to sit down in the crowd, the whole place buzzing with activity as headless attendants hand out buckets of popcorn and candy floss to the crowds. The smell of death. Urine and animal musk dominates the entire area. Trying to get up results in being shoved back into one's seat. Resistance only causes several of those fat clown creatures to sit around you like spectral bouncers. The show, as they say, must always go on. Indeed, 
What a show it is too. A ringmaster appears in a tattered red suit with a top hat and a long whip. His face covered in scars and eyes rolled back into his head as he speaks gibberish to the crowds, who cheer and clap. Acrobats swing across the big top with disturbing movements, not unlike ragdolls. At the same time, a parade of malnourished horses go in circles around the stage. On their backs ride what appear to be extremely thin women, with revealing costumes and burlap sacks wrapped around their heads. After this ritual is complete, the crowds cheer some more, and the ringmaster bows. More gibberish flows from his mouth, and he cracks his whip against the stand. It is then that the sound of heavy footsteps enter the big top as a pure white elephant enters and gives a mighty trumpet with its trunk. The beast would be strikingly beautiful had its thick skin not been covered in deep scars, some of which had not healed properly and thus give away to noticeable infection. The great elephant makes its way to the stand and goes up onto its hind legs. The ringmaster cracks his whip again, and the crowds cheer. Then, the ringmaster bows, and the elephant returns from where it came. A final line of nonsense comes from the ringmaster's mouth, and the crowd gets up and leaves. Should you find yourself part of this spectacle, you will be moved along. Should you be willing or unable to move, those fat clowns will be sure to help you on your way. Exiting the big top, you are greeted to a final show as those unicycle riding dwarves now take on the role of fire eaters and a strong man shows off his might, sporting so much muscle mass, it is almost obscene. Finally, you are approached by one of the skeletal figures on stilts. Should you be brave enough not to flee, the figure hands you a ticket and gives you a smile before leaving. That is when you should also think of leaving, for by the time the sun rises again, the crowds will have returned to the forest, and the big top will once again be empty, as the morning birds begin to play their tune. Ash Mother in the dark where evil sleeps, where sanity is useless trash, I tell a tale to give you creeps and inspire true fear of things that slash. On a quiet All Hallows' Eve, when rain did drizzle from the sky, two siblings from their home did leave, not dressed as ghosts, but end was nigh. While friends of theirs did candy find among the houses that they passed, the siblings were of different mind, to another house they hurried fast. They had been promised a lovely thing by a man with long sharp teeth. If they came at midnight's ring, they'd raise their mother who sleeps beneath. The ritual was long and harsh, twice they fainted dead away. Their blood was marking every hearth, when lit they marked the spirit's way. And in a scream and rushing wind, one sibling stared upon the other, dead and fallen in their sin, he had not seen their risen mother. From the hearth is not black and great, a crawling figure made of ash, pulled herself in and sealed the fate, 
of her two children as she moved fast. The living child gazed on in horror as Ash Mother swallowed the dead sibling whole. Their mother was hungry, was now a terror. She smiled at the living child, bloody and cold. The other child ran but did not get far. Teeth now sank into her arm and she shrieked. Ash Mother didn't notice her child's alarm and with crunches she put her child to sleep. The Ash Mother waits in that house all alone. Her children are gone and her hunger remains. Dare you enter and you will atone. For the sins of the sibling, you will feel their pain. In the dark where evil sleeps, where sanity is useless trash, I've told a tale to give you creeps and inspire true fear of things that slash. Dark Reflection Ritual Written by Bishop Storm Here's what you'll need to do this ritual. A mirror of any type, a candle of any size or color, friends to do it with, optional but highly suggested. I should probably warn you, once you begin this ritual, there is no way to stop it. What I'm saying is, don't start it unless you are planning to finish it. Have you ever broken a mirror, by accident or on purpose? Have you ever looked into a mirror and felt like there was something watching you from the other side? Or seen something sinister lurking within the eyes of your own reflection? You've probably heard the legend that breaking a mirror is seven years bad luck. Legends about mirrors have been around for hundreds of years. In particular, some ancient civilizations believed that there was a sort of purifying effect to mirrors. They believed that by looking one's reflection in the eyes, it would transfer a person's negative energy into the reflection in the mirror. They believed that this had a cleansing effect, but also hidden dangers. That's why breaking a mirror has been known to cause bad luck. Think about it. If this is true, then every time you look into a mirror, you are transferring negative energy into it. Can you imagine just how much negative energy is just sitting there inside your bathroom mirror. When you break the mirror, that negative energy is released and causes bad luck for everyone around it. For this ritual to work, you will need a mirror that you don't mind breaking. According to the manifesto, both the risk and the eventual reward for this ritual are stronger, depending on how old the mirror is. It makes sense if you think about it. An older mirror has been looked into more, and therefore has more negative energy inside of it. In order to begin the ritual, you must look your reflection in the eyes, transferring your negative energy into the mirror one last time. You only need to do this for a few seconds. Then you need to lean forward and breathe onto the mirror, making it fog up with your breath. My sources refer to this as anointing the mirror with your breath. At first, you might find this strange, but do a little digging and I think you'll find that the word breath once meant something similar to spirit. By breathing on the mirror, you are symbolically linking yourself to the mirror and to the negative energy contained inside. This linking is critical to the success of the ritual. Everyone in the group needs to do this step as well, before moving on to the next one. After this is completed, you can light the candle. Use the candle to burn the mirror, 
This agitates the negative energy inside. You only need to do this for a few seconds, or until there is a noticeable black mark on the mirror. Note that the longer you do this for, the more agitated the negative energy will become. After this, the final step is breaking the mirror. Once this step is done, I suggest you start running. You see, it's actually a common misconception that when a person breaks a mirror, they will be followed by bad luck. This is not true. When a mirror is broken, the bad energy stays in one spot, near the broken mirror, until it eventually dissipates. Or at least, normally it does. If you completed the above steps, then you have tied yourself to the negative energies through the medium of your breath. This means that the negative energy will pursue you wherever you go. This is why I said earlier that it would be best to complete this ritual with a group. If there is only one person doing this ritual, then all the negative energy will pursue that one person. But if there is a group, then the negative energy will be spread more thinly. This increases your odds of survival. Bad luck will follow you throughout the night. At first, it will start out as small incidents, a chipped nail or a flat tire. The incidents will begin to escalate though, as increasingly horrific things begin to happen around you. Eventually, these incidents will become life-threatening, no matter how many people you do the ritual with. Like I said, don't start this ritual unless you're planning to finish it. The only piece of advice I can give you for surviving the night is to remember that the negative energy is linked to you through your breath. Your breath is how the negative energy detects you and so, if you find yourself in a bad situation, try holding your breath. This should make you temporarily invisible to it. Of course, you can only hold your breath for so long. Still, this technique might provide you with a few extra seconds to get out of a dangerous situation. At this point, you are probably asking yourself why on earth anyone would ever engage in this ritual? Why would anyone ever risk their life like this? Well, most people who try this probably don't think that it would actually work, but there is a reason beyond that. The bad luck will chase you throughout the night, but if you manage to survive until dawn, not only will you find that your run of foul luck has ended, but that a new streak of good luck is about to begin. The first lights of dawn have a special purifying property. If you survive until the morning, then the negative energy inside the mirror will be purified and will re-enter your body, filling you to the brim with positive energy. After this, everything will seem to go your way. You'll find that people are generally nicer to you, and that the opposite sex are extremely attracted to you, or the same sex, if that's your thing. You will succeed at everything you do, whether it be a job interview, an important exam, or a business venture. I would highly suggest buying a lottery ticket. It should be noted that the amount and duration of your good luck will be equivalent to the amount of negative energy that was in the mirror. If you just bought the mirror at the store, then the good luck will only last a couple of days and will not be all that severe. If you use an old mirror though, then your lucky streak will be far more powerful and it may last you for months or even years if you had an old enough mirror. If you use a mirror that has a more personal connection to you, such as a bathroom mirror or a mirror from your bedroom, then the good fortune you experience will be more suited to your particular tastes and desires. 
One more thing I should probably warn you about is the timing of the ritual. The ritual needs to be started after sunset and with at least 6 hours until dawn. Two common tricks that people try to use in regards to this ritual are starting during the daytime and starting a few minutes before dawn. Starting near dawn is probably the least dangerous of these little cheats. If you start near the dawn then the negative energy will not have enough time to fully manifest before being purified. The energy will then simply dissipate into the air rather than doing anything and you'll probably walk away thinking it was all a gigantic hoax. Starting during the day is more dangerous. People start during the day thinking that the daylight will instantly nuke the bad energy and keep them safe. This is not true. Notice that I said it was the lights of dawn that have the purifying power, not the light of day. By starting during the day, you actually give the bad luck more time to pursue you and thus decrease your odds of survival significantly. You know, a lot of people might call you stupid or crazy for trying to attempt this ritual. I wouldn't, though. I can understand the thinking that goes into it. I can understand wanting to take control of your luck, both good and bad. Rather than accepting these seemingly random twists and turns that life seems to throw at us. Dragon's Luck by Chelsea.Adams.524 Quite possibly one of the most enduring pieces of folklore is the dragon. Throughout history, the dragon is seen as a symbol of great strength and wisdom. It's no surprise, then, that many people have attempted to obtain such power. Though, as can be expected, most of the people who attempt have met their fate being roasted alive. One of the lesser known properties of a dragon is its ability to treat, and possibly cure, various ailments, as well as bringing good luck for those who have undergone great misfortune. Now this ritual deals with such dragon luck, as it were. However, and I cannot stress this enough, you must never, I repeat, never, use this ritual for personal gain of any sort. Those who have ended up suffering an unspeakable fate. Likewise, due to the risks involved, this ritual is not to be done unless one is desperate to do so. For this ritual, you will need a candle, a glass of milk, an item of sentimental value, and a pair of scissors. First, wait until midnight. Once midnight has arrived, turn out all the lights in the room you are currently in. Now, light the candle and set it and the glass of milk next to each other. Next, set the aforementioned item of choice in front of both the candle and the glass of milk. Be careful not to let the object catch fire if there is any risk of it doing so. Next, say the following. O magnum animal ignis, fortis dragon, procure obscuro, quaid habit socium debilandum, ut nulla patiantur mala, asippe sacrificium pro auxilio. This translates into, O great beast of fire, mighty dragon, I beg you, vanquish that which ails my companion, so that they may suffer no more. Accept my offering in exchange for your help. Once you've finished saying the incantation, take the scissors and prick your finger with them. Allow the blood to drip into the glass of milk. If you do not wish to use blood, nail clippings or a strand of hair will do, but will not be as effective. 
after you have added a piece of yourself to the milk, dip your fingers into the glass and use the droplets to put out the candle. Now go to bed. While you are sleeping, you may hear what sounds like a loud gust of wind and billowing thunder. This is the sound that marks the arrival of the dragon. Whatever you do, don't get out of bed. Do not, no matter what happens, leave your room. As the dragon will not hesitate to devour you should it happen to see you. The next morning, head to the table where you set the glass, candle, and offering. If the glass is empty and the object is no longer there, then the ritual was a success. Likewise, whomever you wish good fortune upon will have a streak of good luck and good health that will last them several years. However, as a price of your kind actions, your life is now cut short by several years. The Black Lady of Bradley Woods Author Unknown I grew up in a large town in Lincolnshire, England. As kids, we used to play in a large wooded area of the outskirts of town called Bradley Woods. In the woods is an ancient-looking abandoned cottage, and is tied to the urban myth about the Black Lady of Bradley Woods, who is said to haunt the woods to this day. And this is the story. Hundreds of years ago, a poor woodsman lived in the cottage with his wife and baby. They lived happily until the woodsman was pressed into military service by the local landowner during the English Civil War. The woodsman's wife waited and waited for months for any news of her husband, but none ever came. One New Year's Day, a group of soldiers on horseback came riding through the woods, part of a force that had been plundering the surrounding countryside. Coming across the cottage, they broke in and demanded the woodsman's wife hand over all her money and any strong drink she might have. When she refused, the soldiers beat and raped her savagely, before taking the baby and riding off, laughing wickedly. From that day on, the woman, dressed in black, roamed the woods searching for her missing child, accosting anyone she met and begging them for any news of the baby. She soon earned a reputation as being quite mad, and so, people began to give the woods a wide berth. The woodsman never returned home, and the woman continued to roam the woods, desperately searching for her lost baby until the day she died. Legend has it that her ghost still wanders the woods today, and if anyone is brave enough to walk into the woods on New Year's Day and shout, Black Lady, Black Lady, I've stolen your baby, three times the woman shall appear and confront them. The Seaman Oleander's Song by Lewis Charles from London Years ago, in the age where the pirates roamed the seas in search of treasure and pleasure and trouble, a scullywag called Oleander was thrown overboard by the ship's captain when he was falsely accused of murder by another member of the crew. As Oleander thrashed in the unforgiving waves, he begged his shipmates to let him come up, but they only laughed and turned their filthy backs as he slipped under, sputtering beneath the surface of the sea. Years later, sailors would tell the tale that Oleander hadn't truly perished that fateful night, and was still roaming the waters, not alive, but not dead either. In fact, whenever a pirate ship was lost to the deep, Oleander was responsible 
for their unfortunate demise, enacting his revenge on the scum of the sea, and sequestering their treasure for himself, while they suffer a miserable death at his hand. When pirates hear whispers that there may be treasure for the taking, no level of fear or warning will keep them away. A brazen captain sent five of his most loyal swashbucklers to investigate and discover the plunder. The dismissive and greedy captain barely knew the names of these sacrificial officers as they set off on their journey. Weeks passed and finally, three of the five men returned in far worse condition mentally and physically than when they set out on their quest. The pirates had been hardened men before they left, but they returned fearful and wide-eyed startled by noises, and refusing to talk. They never spoke of the journey until the frustrated captain tortured the pathetic scoundrels. Under great pain and with much wailing, they revealed that the band had come upon Oleander and his lair, but they were soon consumed in mist and lost their bearings. The group tried to turn back. They were entranced by his voice chanting rhymes, a haunting Seaman's lyric, and they became haunted and obsessed by it, and could not focus on escape. The men had no idea how long they were Oleander's slaves, and were only able to slip from his grasp when they put sea foam in their ears, blocking his enchantment. As they fled, they discovered the other two men from their party impaled by Oleander's hook on display at the edge of a cliff overlooking the sea as a warning to keep roaming sailors away. They still say that if you say the exact rhymes that Oleander uses to enrapture the pirates, he will appear out of the mist and take you back to his lair, where you'll never be heard from again. Goodness, quite a nice lineup tonight, and I have to say the Ash Mother really hit the spot for me. I absolutely love the on-point twist, the punchy prose, and the narrative in general. Which one was your favourite out of the lot? And which of these rituals would you do if you had to do one? Which one would it be? I think my choice would be the dragon's luck, as it seems the safest. I'm sure a lot of you out there would say the big top story. But I want to be clear here. At no point does it tell you what happens to you when you fail. Bear that in mind, what takes place should you run, and what takes place should you persist past the clowns further? Yeah, no thanks, I'm not doing that. Join me next Friday, you brilliant people, for some more Lillian Madwip, or perhaps Urban Legends, we'll see. Have yourself a bloody marvellous day, mates, or a devilishly dark night. And as always, till next time.